Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Okay, okay. I just put, wait, okay. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay. uh, not our best year, okay? Let's start, we can just openly admit that. Let's just be honest. We're all friends here. Thank you so much for joining us online or if you're joining us at the Banta campus, Garfield Park, Franklin, all of our microsites. Hi, my name's Cody. And yes, I had the unfortunate privilege of giving the talk at the beginning of the year, last year. <laughs> and uh, what a year it was, right? <laughs> oh, we had some fun, didn't we? We really did. I can't tell you how uncomfortable I am to be up here giving the talk again. I could see how some of you would think, why would it be uncomfortable? It's not like because you gave the talk last year that it caused us to have an incredibly inconvenient and awful year. I can't imagine that you're making that leap. I certainly am not. I'm not making that. So yeah, so yeah, it's a little, little uncomfortable for me uh, just being up here. I'm probably going to use this a lot today to wipe off the sweat and the discomfort from my brow. But yes, I did give the talk last year, and I'm just going to go ahead, full disclosure, I am sorry, okay? I will take ownership. I will apologize for your year. I'm very sorry. For those of you that speak Spanish, lo siento, okay? I'm very sorry. I apologize. To recap, if you're new and you missed that doozy of a talk from a year ago, you can actually watch it on YouTube. It's called The Power of the Decade. I'm probably not setting it up very well for you. But the talk is called The Power of a Decade. Last year, this is what we talked about. We said, yes, evaluation, very important part of your year. Do I still believe that? I do, even though we may have encountered a difficulty or two. I still think evaluation, very important, evaluating yourself against who you were a year ago. Yeah, probably important that you still do that. Is it still important to be motivated? When you have goals and you have ambitions, New Year's resolutions, absolutely. You gotta have a plan. We learned this year that you can't really plan for every contingency, right? We kind of learned that in a very painful way. And then, of course, there's the execution portion. It's still important to go out and execute and do the things that you're setting out to do. I still believe those things. Did I leave out maybe one or two elements of the talk last year that could have made it a little bit better? Yeah, I think so. Maybe, possibly, hopefully, I don't know. But that's the point of the talk today. Think of it as the power of a decade 1.1 or the power of a decade 2.0. I'm not a software engineer, so I'm not really sure how those numbers work when it comes to new versions, but the title of the talk today is called The Power of Surrender. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But I would like to start the talk with a question, if I may, and the question is as follows. What made last year so hard? Some of you are audibly laughing here at the Greenwood campus. If you're at the other campuses, you might be laughing as well because you have a laundry list of things that made it very difficult. Now, I will give this caveat. I know that we're having some fun today, and I do want to have fun. Last year was painful. I really do want to have some fun. Like, let's do that today. But I do want to give this caveat that today I am factoring out grief and I am factoring out loss from what made this so hard because I never want to be insensitive to that. I know some of you watching today at any of our other campuses or online or some of you here at the Greenwood campus, you lost people very close to you. You lost family members, you lost friends, and I always want to be sensitive to that. And I think it's its own issue and it stands alone. So factoring that out of there, what, what was a common thread 
that made this year so hard. Here's what I think. I think this is what made it so hard. I think we underestimated how much we crave control. I think that made it very, very difficult for us this year. And this kind of bears out. I was talking to my wife, who is much smarter than me, much more wise than me. Anytime I can learn from her and talk to her, I try to take that as an opportunity to do that. We were doing life in the kitchen. We were talking, having a little conversation. She's cutting some strawberries. And I asked her the same question. I was like, what made this year so hard for you? And she's like, well, I, I couldn't control anything. In my head, I'm thinking, girl, preach on it. And so we just kind of talked a little bit more. And she was, she was sharing that she felt like she couldn't control anything, like her, her schedule at work. My wife loves her job. She's a working woman. She's a professional. She loves what she does. She couldn't see her friends at work. She wasn't allowed to go to work for like weeks. And now she's on like an every other day schedule. That really hurts her. Like it bums her out. She wants to go to work and do what she feels like she's called to do. She was kind of bummed out that we couldn't control the birthdays of our children. We couldn't really celebrate those with family because they both happened to kind of fall during quarantine. We had to celebrate Easter through glass with family, which was not a lot of fun. Like just all sorts of different things. And for me, she's like, well, what made it so hard for you? Like what, did, what made it so difficult? And for me, when it came to control, I don't, know, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I like a little bit of familiarity on the horizon is anybody like that? Like you like a little bit of routine, you like a little bit of normalcy, you kind of like to know what to expect. Like I don't have to know exactly what's going on or exactly what's coming up, but man, if I could have an idea, that would sure be swell. I would really be comfortable with that. So that made this year incredibly painful for me. So as I was thinking about the year, like things would just pop up that wouldn't normally affect me, like the royal family just splitting up. Like Meghan Markle and the prince just decided to leave. I didn't know you could do that as a royal family. I thought you kind of just had to stay together and live together. But apparently you can just leave. I didn't know that. And then you would see things like the, the forest fires on the West Coast. Like I'm like, the whole West Coast is like up in smoke. People are po posting pictures on social media. The sky is red from all the fire. That freaked me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was like losing a little bit of control. And then two words that changed my year forever. And then I knew I'm not gonna have any normalcy this year. That's when I saw murder hornets. What, did you remember that? Like some of you have forgotten. I didn't forget, I couldn't sleep. Because we got like murder hornets are among us. Why are they murder hornets? Who are they murdering? What are they murdering? Do they have little miniature axes and they're flying around and just buzzing and chopping? Feel like, what are they doing? Come to find out that murder hornets can decapitate the heads of 40 bees in a minute. Thank you, 2020. But like I would see things like that and I was like, man, I'm out. Like I'm out, I got no control. There's no normalcy. This isn't a normal year. I, can't, I have no idea what to expect. What's gonna happen next? And that was before everything that happened in the fall and it just was like, oh my goodness. So I underestimated how much I craved a little bit of control in that normalcy. And it really did affect me and it affected my wife and I know it affected a lot of you too, not in a positive way. And there have actually been articles and studies on what happens when you try to control too much. Dr. Raj Ragunathan is a, is a PhD professor down at the University of Texas in Austin. He wrote an article and the tagline of the article said, we all have a deep-seated drive to feel in control, but taking it too far can make you miserable. It says human beings have a deep-seated desire for certainty and control. I really felt the certainty part. So what happens when you try to control too much? What does this look like in your life? What are the negative effects? Well, Dr. Ragunathan was doing some studies. He was reading some things. I'll throw these up here, and you guys can kind of follow along. Number one is it lowers happiness. Studies have shown that when you try to control too much, whether it's people, circumstances, outcomes, situations, when you try to hold too fast to that control, 
you're gonna, your happiness is gonna drop. Another study found that when people are put in situations in which they have lower control than they desire, their blood pressure shoots up. So now it's affecting you physically. You're more stressed, you're more anxious. Blood pressure's going up, up, up. Number three, it said those high in need for control suffer more. Studies show that suffering increased in those who desire control. The need for control in the case of outcomes, number four, hurts decision-making. I found this one really interesting. Findings show that overly controlling people are more likely to take risks and are also likely to become superstitious in stressful situations. That was really fascinating to me. And then number five, studies showed that being obsessed with control about something has a negative impact, not just on one's own physical and emotional health as we have seen, but also on the health of one's relationships. I have a question for you. Can you control people? One, two, three. No, you can't. Do we still try? One, two, three. Yes, we do. You can't control people no matter how hard you want to, but we still try and it causes us pain and it hurts our relationships. Now, does that mean that you can't have honest conversations with people and speak life into them and rebuke them if they're going down a path that they don't need to be as long as you're speaking in love as brothers and sisters in Christ? Absolutely, we have to do that. It's our responsibility. But at the end of the day, you can't control those people. and It can be frustrating. It can cause us pain. So I think that if we underestimated how much we crave control, I think we overestimated something and it's this. I think we overestimated our level of surrender to God this year. And I think we got a little too confident. I think we were a little too confident in this assertion coming into the new year. I think if you would talk to anybody at the beginning of the new year that called this place home, they were a Christ follower, you'd talk to them in the lobby, and you'd ask them questions like, is God in control? Is he in control of your finances? Is he in control of your family? Is he in control of your work schedule? Is he in control of your child's school schedule? I think you'd had a lot of people say, absolutely, give you a fist bump to that 100%. You'd have ladies saying like, girl, I am too blessed to be stressed. I am blessed in this mess. God is in control. Like they would be saying all these things and then March hit and then April hit and then like our stress and the mess and the bless, everything was getting kind of confused and it made it very, very difficult. So I think that we overestimated our level of surrender to God. We were trying to hang on to control way too much and God kind of took a back seat to our level of control. And I think that caused us a lot of problems. And here's what I can tell you about 2021. If we don't surrender control of our lives to God, we can expect more of blank this year. The blank was very, very intentional. That's your blank. I would like you to fill that in with whatever you think you suffered with this year, because if you don't surrender control to God, you're gonna have more of the same next year. So some examples could be, if we don't surrender control of our lives to God, we can expect more anger this year. We can expect more frustration, annoyance, irritation. For me, that is impatience. Number one, circle it, start, impatience. Coming into this year, I thought I was patient. I really did. I had that impression of myself. And then e-learning broke me. It broke me so hard. I got a five-year-old little girl. She's beautiful. I just sent her to her room all the time. Go, just go to the room. I can't, like, I lost every ounce of patience. Guys, I don't have any more left. I'm out. I don't have any more. So I know that if I don't surrender control of my life to God this year, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have any more patience. I don't want that. I want to have an amazing year. I want you to have an amazing year. I want us to be closer to God than we've ever been. What do you say? Can we shoot for that this year? Can we go for that maybe? Let's do that. Let's try to do that a little bit, okay? All right. So how can we give control of our lives to God? How can we surrender control of our lives to God? What can we do? Well, three steps for you today. I think they might help. The number one step, first, is rethink surrender. I think we need to rethink our concept of surrender, especially as it comes to, as it comes to surrendering control of our lives to God. 
I want to start with a definition of surrender. This is one I found from Merriam-Webster. It says, surrender, to yield to the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand. So I'm going to give something up to another party because I feel compelled to do so or somebody is demanding that I'm giving up something, right? So that's the operating definition of surrender. I think as Americans in the United States of America, we don't really like this concept of surrender a whole lot. Like, it's a bad word for a lot of us, you know? Like, we want to be in control. We want power. I want to own the situation, right? Like, as Americans, that's, that's really tough for us to give up. And in some circumstances, yes, there are some aspects of our culture where surrender is not necessarily a good thing. Take the military, for example. Do we want a military whose first option is to surrender? No, probably not. That's probably not going to be a good thing. Like, even if you think about the movie like The Patriot with Mel Gibson, like the colonists versus the British, if the movie started with Mel Gibson saying, you know what, I'm going to put this musket down, I surrender, it's going to be a short movie. And we're not really wanting that. That's not how we want the military to work. So I'm very thankful that we have a military that does not surrender. Like, that's great. Like your athletic teams and your sports teams, do you want to follow a sports team that just surrenders and gives up all the time? No, not really. Like if you turned on the Colts every weekend and it was first down and they just punted every time, are you going to continue to watch them week after week? No, no, you're probably not going to do that. You're going to put your head through a wall if they do that. So, so we don't want everybody to surrender all the time. And where you certainly don't want people to surrender is in action movies. Like, for example, I don't know, this is just one I was thinking of off the top of my head, the 1989 classic Kickboxer starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Do we want people to surrender in that aspect? No. I'll tell you what he's covered with, sweat, determination, and blood. He's not covered in surrender, am I right? So this is a guy in the movie, he's fighting everything. He's fighting Tong Po, this big villain at the end of the movie. You can see in this next shot in the robe, his hands are wrapped up in cloth. He's dipping them in glue. He's dipping them in glass. He's never gonna surrender. He's punching his way out of every situation. And even on the soundtrack, the title soundtrack from the movie Kickboxer is called, that's right, Never Surrender. Of course you knew that. Why wouldn't you know that? It's called Never Surrender. The reason I know it is because it's been on my workout playlist for 10 years, because I'm like in the garage, I'm like, never surrender. I'm never gonna surrender. I'm never gonna give up. I'm never surrendering ever, not even if there's a fire. And so you can just keep going. And I think that works for action movies. I think it works for football, but it doesn't really work if we're a Christ follower. And you can see that bear out in Philippians. Paul is so great about describing this. He makes it very clear in Philippians 2. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You can't punch your way to control. That's not what we want to do. We want to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus has. Now, I want you to check out some of the language here. This word must is interesting to me because he's not saying you should have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. He's not saying it would be a good idea if you had the same attitude. He's saying you must. You must have this same attitude. And if you're new with us today or if you're watching online or if you're at one of our other campuses and you're like, you know what? What, what, what does that really entail when it comes to surrender? Like, what did, Christ, what did Christ surrender? What did he give up? Do we have a model for that? Well, actually, we do. In Philippians 6 through 8, this is kind of what it looks like. Though he was God, he being Jesus Christ, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to and freeze. Think about that sentence for a moment. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. What are the things that we cling to? When it comes to what we are trying to control, what are those things? We want to control the flow of traffic and if I get to work on time. I want to control if my order is right from Starbucks. I'm clinging to that. I want to control how my jeans fit me if I get a new pair of jeans for my birthday. Like those are the things we're, con- like this is, how, this is the level Jesus is on. 
Equality with God. He had that in his possession. That's something he could have had. His attitude was, I am going to surrender. I am going to freely give it away. He gave up his divine privileges. That was his attitude. Gives it away freely, open hand. That's not what I'm clinging to. And it continues. And it said, he took the humble position, humility, surrender of a slave and was born as a human being. For him to be born as a human being was surrender because he had the opportunity, the equality of God at his disposal and he chose to be born a human. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. This, this died a criminal's death on a cross, we talk about this act of surrender every single week at this church. We talk about it every single week. He was the ultimate example of surrender and having an attitude of surrender and living a life of surrender. But what happened as a result of his surrender? Like, how did God view this surrender? Was this something that God looked upon favorably? As a matter of fact, it was. It continues in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. I'm gonna throw up nine on the screen here. And this is what it says. It says, therefore God elevated him, Jesus Christ, to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above all other names. That's why Jesus is the only one we worship week in and week out at the beginning of our services. Because of his surrender, because of what he gave. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is how God honors surrender. That's how God honored the surrender of Jesus Christ. And it is beautiful. I think for a lot of us, we need to rethink surrender because we think of surrender as weakness. Like I give this away, I put myself under control of someone else. If I give total control of my life away, I'm gonna be in a position of powerlessness. I'm going to be weak as a result. But that's a human-made construct. That's a human thought. That's not from God. In Ephesians 3.17, it says this, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. There is an element of surrender when you trust someone, right? Like if I'm giving my trust to you, that's not something that's always easily earned. Like that's something you, like you have to place your faith, you have to place your trust, not only in God, but in people as well. Like you, there is an element of surrender and trust. And once you trust in him, Christ makes his home in your hearts, you are never going to be stronger in your life than the day that Jesus Christ makes his home in your heart. Your roots will grow down into God's love and they will keep you strong. You're not gonna be weak when you give control of your life away. You will have strength, you will have power, but it won't be from yourself, it will be from God. And it will be beautiful if that's how you choose to rethink surrender. Now, once you can kind of rethink it that way and once you can kind of recontextualize surrender, it will allow us to move to the second step which if you're action-oriented and you're the type of person who's like, man, I got New Year's resolutions, I got goals, I got books, maybe you got this book, maybe you got The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, you picked it up from the bookstore, you're like, I can't wait to read this book, it's gonna be amazing. I read this book a couple years ago and it's really, really good, especially if you wanna incorporate positive habits. Maybe you're like, I already bought Atomic Habits by James Clear, habits, 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 resolutions, I can't wait. I bought the Panda Planner, I bought the Passion Planner, I bought the Aaron Condren Planner, I got planners coming out my ears, I can't wait. So you're ready to move into action, new year, new you, it's gonna be great, and you can go to number two, which is make surrender a habit. Make surrender a habit. Now I wanna talk a little bit about James Clear and his book, Atomic Habits. It's a very good book. I'm working my way through it right now. I'm hoping to, to finish with it in the next week or two. And 
And I think he has a really great way of explaining how habits can be more effective in your life. We're gonna talk about how surrender falls into that. So James Clear would say this, the ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes part of your identity. Key word there is part. Your whole identity is rooted in who Jesus Christ says you are. This is part of your identity, not the whole thing. Don't get those things confused. It's one thing to say, I'm the type of person who wants this, but it's quite another, it's something very different to say, I'm the type of person who is this. So a way that he kind of explained this was, it's different for you to say, you know what, I would really like to run a 5K race this year. I I would want to run a mini marathon. It's different to say that than it is to say, I am a runner. You see that? It's different to say, you know what, I would like to eat a salad this year than it is to say, I'm a healthy eater, right? So like there's a difference. And you talk to yourself a lot and a lot of the times the decisions you make are based on some of this self-talk. Here's what's true about that. The truth that you tell yourself, that's the one that you're gonna believe, especially when it comes to your habits. If you start telling yourself that you think that you are this person, man, those habits are gonna follow suit pretty quickly. James Clear gives an amazing example of this in the book, Atomic Habits. He talks about a female friend that he had who decided that she wanted to be a little bit healthier. And so she started to take little steps and she started to contextualize that in her mind with her identity. She made the decision, I am a healthy person. And so she would start to ask herself this question when it came to things that she would eat or ways that she would be active. She would say, would a healthy person do this? If the answer was yes, she would do it. If the answer was no, she wouldn't do it. You know what happened to her? She lost 100 pounds. 100 pounds just by working a habit and working a new way of thinking about herself into her everyday existence. It's incredible. How do you do that practically speaking? James Clear would say there's two ways. One, you decide the type of person you wanna be. So for the purpose of this talk, I am surrendered to God. I am fully surrendered to God. That's who I wanna be. That's how I wanna root my habits this year. Okay, B, prove it to yourself with small wins. What would be a small win? How could we do this practically speaking? you can actually see this play out in Psalms. It's really cool. Check this out. So in Psalms, the psalmist writes, listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning, I bring my request to you and I wait expectantly. This could be a path for you to make surrender a habit. It's an amazing guide. So each morning, it talks about the frequency. Every single morning, this could be a way that you could make surrender a habit to start your day. In the morning, you could go and you could bring your requests via prayer. You could do it via journaling. You could do it with your time with God through reading scripture, your daily devotions. Each of you have a different way to connect with God. Maybe you're bringing your request to God through worship in your car with the windows rolled up so only you can hear yourself sing. Maybe that's how you do it. I don't know, but you're bringing your request. Maybe it's those requests for control. I wanna control the way my boss is doing things at work or I wanna control the way my my kids are acting at home. I wanna control this decision that's being made by the government. You bring those requests to God and you wait expectantly. You are surrendering those requests for control. You're not hanging on to them. You're not clinging to them. You are giving them away. And you're waiting because you know that God is in control. And maybe small wins for you are that day after day after day, you slowly bring those requests to God. And instead of getting so frustrated and your blood pressure going up and being unhappy and suffering, maybe instead of those feelings, now that Christ has made his home in your heart and you've drawn near to him, maybe what you're feeling are the fruits of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. Maybe what you're feeling is love. Maybe what you're feeling is compassion. Maybe what you're feeling is patience. Maybe what you're feeling is peace. And those could be your small wins day after day. Here's another added bonus of making surrender a habit. James Clear would say this about your brain activity. He says, as habits are created, the level of activity in the brain decreases. 
So as you get better at making surrender a habit, guess what? Life's gonna get a little bit easier for you between your ears. I don't know if you were like me, but I got to a point this year where I was just like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so done. I don't wanna make another decision. It's too hard. I don't wanna decide anything. Mark would be like, honey, what would you like for dinner? I don't know. Just throw it at me. Throw the dinner. Throw it in my general direction. I'll just get it with my foot. I don't care. Like, just whatever. You just pick something. But I know a lot of people like that, like, man, I, I just feel like I'm overthinking everything. I'm so tired from making one decision after the next. When you make surrender a part of a daily habit, your brain doesn't have to work overdrive. It's one less thing for you to think about because now it's just kind of part of who you are and what you do. Personal example. When I work out now, like when I decide that I wanted to, I wanted to be a guy that picked things up and put them down, I wanted to lift weights, I don't really think about it anymore. It's just kind of something that I do. You know, at first it wasn't that easy, but it, may, it took little decisions, little wins, little decisions, little wins. And over time, it's been a few years now, and like, that's just part of who I am. I don't think about it. A lot of you are the same way with fitness, with personal hobbies that you have, with ways that you live your life, with addictions. Like, so many people have, have done this. It is possible. And here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. God does not want you to have more pain in your life. God is trying to help you out a little bit. So you think you do this, you think you give it up. It's like, man, are things really gonna get better? Yes, they are. Check this out. It says, give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. You surrender those burdens. You surrender that burden of control to God and he's gonna look out for you. He's gonna care for you. Is it gonna go your way 100% of the time? No, it's not. Of course not. Not every outcome is going to be your way, but he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall because Christ is gonna make his home in your heart, inside of you. And it's gonna be amazing if you can rethink surrender and if you can make surrender a habit. And if you can do those things, it'll allow us to progress to the third and final step today when your last feelings surrender scientifically. When your last feelings gonna surrender scientifically. So what we're talking about here is in the book, the Power of Habit, and in the book Atomic Habits, and in any other habit, there's a billion books on habits. There's this thing called the habit loop. It's a four-step process. Both Charles Duhigg and James Clear do a really good job explaining it. I'm gonna explain it to you in a way that made sense for me because I'm an ogre and I need to break things down in very basic terms sometimes. So here's the four-step habit loop. You got cue, craving, response, and reward. So the cue is you notice something in your environment, maybe you smell something, you see something, or you experience something, and that's gonna cue your habit loop because you know if I follow this down the rabbit hole, there might be a reward for me. So then it moves you to step two, which is the craving. If I do this, I will get blank. If I binge Netflix for two hours, I will be entertained. If I eat a slice of chocolate cake, I'm gonna be so satisfied because cake is delicious. Number three is the response. This is time for action. This is when your actual habit will take place and you actually do the thing that you need to do. It's a decision, it's an action. This is gonna be real important. Hang on to the response. And then finally, there's reward, which is always satisfying and educational because the reward means you learn something or you get something from the habit loop. Does that make sense? Okay. Here's what we're going to do to make surrender part of our habit and surrender scientifically. I want you to pick a word that will aid the response stage. So that stage where it's actually time for you to think something, where it's actually time for you to do something, I want you to pick a word that's going to help you out. There's a book called Your One Word by Evan Carmichael, and apparently there's this whole pick a word social media movement that I didn't really know about. It's all over like Instagram, it's all over the, the, the internet, and I didn't know anything about it. Some people wanna use words like empathy because they wanna be more kind and gentle this year, which is really cool. Some people want to be stronger, inner strength, physical strength, so power, that might be their word. I don't know, if you've already got your word, I don't wanna mess that up, that's great. I'm talking about a word that will aid your ability to surrender control to God. That's what this purpose is. 
And here's the thing, guys. I feel really bad about last year, okay? Full disclosure. Like, we're just talking honestly. My fault. Again, I am sorry. I really am. So, you guys didn't know you were getting a homework assignment today. I already did it for you because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm just a nice guy. I am. So, here's, here's the word bank. Here are some possible words that can be your word for surrender. We've chosen surrender up here. Here are other words that you can utilize when you get that cue. Oh, man, something happened. Feeling that craving to control it. If I can control it, I'll have power over the situation. I can control the situation. Now it's time for me to act. So I'm going to go, oh, man, I don't have to control it because I can, I can surrender. I can release. I can be open to the situation. I am captive to God. I am captive to his way of doing things. I can stop. I can pause. That's something I can do. I don't need to control it right now. This is my response. I can yield, concede, submit, defer, relent, acquiesce. What a beautifully handsome word that is. Humble. I love the word humble. Humble is such a good word. I love humble because you can see how humble plays out in James. So we go to James 4, 7, and 8. This is how it can work. So this word could be humble. Like I got the cue, got the craving. I need to respond. I need to control something. Or do I? Instead of needing to control it, I could humble myself. I could do that. I could humble myself before God. I could give God control. I could surrender that to him. And what happens as a result? Well, you resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil and all of his lies, all of his deception, all of his temptations, everything that he's throwing at you to make you feel like you have to control the outcome of every situation or else you're going to be weak and powerless, that will flee from you. If you make this a habit and you surrender scientifically, if you get yourself a word, and then the last sentence here, I think, is one of the most beautiful sentences ever written. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. As you draw near to God, as he makes his home in your heart, like we saw earlier, you will experience a level of surrender that will give you freedom from this control. You won't, you won't any longer feel like I have to control every single outcome or else I'm going to be powerless. That won't be something that you face every day. You won't have to do that. Now, there is something I kind of want to do today. And it's a little bit different. Maybe it's because I used to be a counselor and I think this can help. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes, okay? Just roll with me. I know some people are like, oh man, we're gonna do a mindfulness activity. I can't believe this. I didn't wanna come to church and do this. Just here's the thing. You're gonna be running. You're gonna be sprinting all year. Like take a moment and just chill out for a second, okay? So close your eyes. You're going to experience something. Maybe it's today, maybe it's something you have in your mind. I don't want to be too specific, but it's going to cue you to want to control an outcome or a person or a situation. You might have an example in your head already, something that you faced this past year. You've got the cue and now you've got that craving. You can feel it in your mind, you can feel it in your gut. Maybe it's causing your blood pressure to go up right now. And you're thinking, if I can control this, I will have dominion over this situation. I'll have ownership of it. It will go my way and I will be satisfied. But you know that that's not necessarily true. So now it's time for the response. I have to do something. So what's my word? Maybe my word is surrender. So in this situation, my identity of surrender is that I am fully surrendered to God. I don't need to have control in this situation because God is in control. God has made his home in my heart. I have drawn close to him and he is close to me. I can feel his embrace. I trust that he is in control of my life. And now my reward is that I can have peace. I can be patient. I can know that even if the outcome isn't my way, 
I'm good with it because I can surrender control. I am fully surrendered to God. Open your eyes. Please don't do that exercise in traffic. I'm begging you. Don't do that. Thank you guys for doing that with me. Hopefully that helps. Hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of something that you can do. If you feel that, that urge come up, that is a possible response you can have. Just take a little moment. Take your word. Work through it a little bit. Prayer. Always helpful. Pray to God in those situations. And maybe that can help you. Final question for today. What do you gain from surrender? I spend a lot of time talking about this today. What, what do you gain if you live your life this way? If you live a life fully surrendered to God, what is the outcome? Here's an idea I'd like you to leave with today. When you surrender to God, you don't lose. You win. That's why I think it's so important that we rethink this idea of surrender because we think that when I, when I give up control of my life that I'm going to be weak, I'm going to be powerless. I'm going to suffer as a result of that. You suffer when you try to hang on to control too much. That is where the pain lies. If you can surrender and you can have that quiet assurance and confidence in God, you won't have to suffer as much anymore because he will be, will be the person in control in your life. You can surrender that today. I was thinking about this as I was kind of preparing for this talk and I was getting ready and we'll close here in just a moment. 10 years ago this month was when I made the decision to fully surrender trust of my life to Jesus Christ. 10 years ago today, like how crazy is that? Like that's, that's a long time. Um, I don't say that for applause, you boneheads. I'm just saying that. It's like 10 years ago, I made the decision to surrender my life to Christ. And I was thinking about this today as we're talking about surrender and what it means to give your life away to Jesus. Not only your control, but access to everything in your life. Like you want Jesus to control every aspect of you. What an amazing way to start a new year. If you sitting here joining us online or any of our campuses, or maybe if you're joining us at the Greenwood campus, if you're new today, if you're somebody that's been coming for a while, what an amazing way to start your year fully surrendered to God. Like, can you imagine like, if that's how you started your year? That's the surrender that you are going to exhibit and that was the habit that you were gonna start. Like, I'm fully gonna give control of my life. I'm going to accept the gift of salvation from Jesus Christ today. Can you imagine what that would be like? Luckily for you, if you're here today, if you're watching online, you have that opportunity. You can make that choice today. You can make that decision. You can choose to surrender full control of your life. You might be like me 10 years ago thinking like, man, I'm trying to control everything. I'm trying to make every decision. Things aren't going the way that I want. I feel empty. I feel like I don't have a purpose. Like, what is this all about? Why don't I feel like I have more control? Why don't I feel like I have more power? It's because you were never meant to have that much control or power in the first place. So let it go. You can let it go. You can surrender today. You can acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ was a real person. He walked this earth just like you and me. He surrendered just like you and me. He surrendered his life. He gave up his life on a cross. He died for you, covering the penalty of sin and death for all time. And he rose again from the grave three days later so that you don't have to spend eternity apart from God. That's what you can surrender to today. You can surrender to the most beautiful, selfless act of surrender that has ever existed. It's why we worship the way that we worship why it's his name and nobody else's. You can surrender to that today. You can ask for forgiveness of your sins today. You can ask to be a child of Jesus Christ today. So what I'm going to do right now, if that's you watching online at any of our campuses or here at Greenwood, if that's you, I'm going to say a simple prayer. It's not the words that are important. It's the heart behind it. It's what your heart is communicating to Jesus right now. You take these words and you make them your own. Let's do it. Jesus, I I surrender. 
I surrender full control of my life to you. You surrendered everything for me. You surrendered your life on a cross. You surrendered your divine privileges. But that wasn't the end for you. You rose again three days later. Jesus, you conquered the penalty of my sin. You conquered death. And I want to spend eternity with you and the Father. Jesus, wash me. Cleanse me. Make me your child. And from this this day forward, help me to surrender to you each and every single day. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I'm telling you, I made that decision 10 years ago. My life has never been the same. I think that you might be on the same trajectory and path starting today. Can we kick it off with a little bit of celebration for these people? Can we give it up? Let's go. Man, what a way to start your year. That's awesome. Hey, if you made that decision, whether you're online or other campuses, right here at Greenwood, text the word SAVED, number 65248. We would love to send you a saved box in the mail wherever you live. We will get it to you. It's got a copy of the New Believers New Testament Bible, a reading plan so that you can get started on your journey with Jesus Christ in the best way possible, learning about him through scripture. It's also got a coffee mug in there as well, just as our way of saying thank you and we love you. Can we give it up for what God is doing in this place right now? So thankful.